friends, real talk here. Have you wondered what a fart like is, but were too afraid to ask? Or too afraid to type it into a search engine because you feared the authorities showing up at your house? Well, I'm here to assuage some of your worries. Fart like is simply a Swedish word meaning speed play. And speed play is something that we do when we train as runners. And it's one of the many workouts that you'll receive or get guided on if you work with the Quentin R. Running Company, who's the sponsor for today's episode. So check us out at qrunningco.com. That's qrunningco.com. And learn more about the different things that we can offer runners, whether you're brand new to the sport or a veteran, on what we can do to help you become a faster, more efficient, more happy runner. Friends of the Lane One Podcast, Coach Q. Another episode is dropping this week. And this week it's race week. What race are we talking about? None other than Western States. Western States taking place this weekend. Ray starts in Olympic Valley, traverses through Hillendale, and finishes on the track at Placer High School in Auburn, California. And the reason why I'm highlighting this race is because I had the great fortune of running Western States back in 2016. And when I started the podcast, right around the time I started the podcast, it dawned on me that uh, this year was been, has been five years since I ran Western States. And I thought it would be cool to revisit um, that experience and also try to connect with some of the folks that made it possible for me to, to run in the race. And so I'm excited that this episode, we're going to be talking with Craig Thornley. Now, you ultraheads or running geeks will recognize that name as the race director for that storied event or storied run. And I reached out to him I want to say early March, soon after I had started reaching out to folks to be that I wanted to interview for the podcast. Like I said, it, it occurred to me that this was the fifth year, and I thought it'd be cool to interview folks. And uh, so I sent him an email. I thought nothing ventured, nothing gained, right? So I shot him an email, explained to him that uh, I had the podcast and that um, I ran in 2016, and just wanted to know if he'd be available to to chat and he wrote back and he said he would and so the episode that you're about to hear here in a few minutes is of him and I having this great conversation and we don't get into too much of the like the race race stuff although we do cover that a, a bit but I wanted to learn more about him you know his philosophy as a race director you know maybe some information about or tidbits about the the race that maybe don't always receive public, um, you know, visibility or that people aren't aware of. And as you'll learn, you'll see that it was, um, you know, it was just a great conversation, really easy to talk to. We had a great time. And, um, you know, I can only imagine that as, as they're heading into race week after having had to cancel the event and now putting it on, the excitement around, you know, just being able to be together 
in you know close proximity and seeing some of the finest runners in the in the world you know uh, congregate in California for that storied run and before we get to that I just wanted to talk a little bit about how I ended up just you know <laughs> having the ultra gods you know bless me with the opportunity to run to run in this event and some of you may know that when when I first moved to southeast Georgia um, it was from Washington DC and at the time you know my kids were really were really tiny I wasn't running as much just because of the demands from work and, and from you know raising two kids I had signed up for the Miami Marathon and I do very well once I register for a race I get locked in and so I locked into training for the Miami Marathon <sighs> that experience is a We'll have to table that for a different podcast or for a different conversation. Um, but suffice it to say that once I trained, ran the, the marathon, came back, I got back into a groove of, you know, having just moved and living in a new environment, getting back into, into you know, running shape. And so after the Miami Marathon, you know, I was looking for my next race and was flipping through Want to say, well, it was, a, it was a running publication, and I believe it was Trail Runner Magazine. And I don't know how I ended up with this copy. I don't know if I found it at a, you know, waiting room of a doctor, and I just stole it and you know, took it with me. And I was flipping through it, and there was an advertisement for the North Face Endurance Challenge, which was a challenge that, um, you know, were a variety of races that 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 were that took place over a couple of, you know, during the weekend, a couple of days. And there was one in Atlanta, and they had a, a road or a 26.2 trail run, 50k, 50 miler, and um, they also had a relay. I don't remember which which distance was the relay. It may have been the marathon. But in any event, I, I I saw that and I thought, oh, man, you know, I've already done the marathon, I've already run. I'm you know I'm not pursuing fast times anymore, and I thought you know this would be a good challenge, and you know <laughs> another challenge for many reasons not just the training and running and, and preparing for running an ultra marathon or ultra distance but also living at sea level living in a, in a location that didn't have any hills and just you know wrapping your head around you know running running a race where the terrain and the 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 trails and just what was going to be required of me was nowhere to be found where we were living so I signed up for that, and that was in 2011, signed up for the 50K. And I remember distinctly when I finished that run, and this was, by the way, this was in Atlanta, so it was at FDR State Park, which is about mm, 80 miles or so southwest of Atlanta. Beautiful area, great park, and uh, well-organized, well-run, you know, great aid stations and, you know, great atmosphere. Dean Carnazes was there and got to meet him and talk with him and talk with some of the other runners. Hal Kerner, who is, you know, had great fame, won Western States, won Hard Rock, and, you know, he was there as a sponsored athlete for North Face. I got to meet them. So just a great vibe. And I remember finishing the 50K and thinking to myself, there's no way in hell, no way in hell I'm ever going to do that again because it was just, you know, just kind of beat me up. And um, I just realized that I hadn't trained that my training just wasn't leading up to it wasn't what it should have been. And as many of you are already probably thinking, 
as as I was thinking that, as I was crossing the finish line, it was maybe three or four minutes later that I thought, you know what, if I just train differently, I'll be able to, I'll be able to get this thing. I'll be able to figure it out. And so, of course, as soon as registration opened for the 2012 North Face Endurance Challenge in Atlanta, I signed up. But this time, I signed up for the 50 miler. I thought, you know what? We got to push it. We got to challenge ourselves. And so I trained differently. I ran more hills. Well, let me back up. I ran more bridges because we have bridges here in southeast Georgia. So I ran the bridges up and down, a lot of repeats, a lot of mileage, spending many hours on my feet, just getting ready for the event. Ran that 50 miler. And it was a great experience. Fantastic. I couldn't have asked for a better experience. Um, just felt good, you know, was obviously, you know, better prepared with, with just, you know, having trained the quads so that they could withstand the, the, you know, running up and then running down, running up and running down. And it was just a really great experience. And at that time, <coughs> you, well, it, for many years, Western States, um, you, you were required to run a qualifying race in order to put your name into the lottery. And back then so that would have been 2012 50 milers were allowed to be one of your qualifying races or qualifying distance so back then i was like there's no way there's no way on god's green earth that i'm going to be selected in the lottery and i wasn't and i'm glad (laughs) i didn't because i certainly did not know what i was doing back then in terms of preparing for the for those longer distances i certainly respected the distance but just uh, you know, I just had a really good 50-mile run, my first one, and thought, you know, I better get a couple more races of either the 50-mile distance or, you know, just 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 get just get more acclimated to 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 ultras. And so, 2013, I was again hoping to do the North Face Endurance Challenge. And if I'm not mistaken, it either wasn't held or it was postponed. I don't remember. I was looking, trying to see, as I was getting ready for this episode, I was trying to see if I could find some information on that. And it didn't happen. But what I did do is I did sign up for the North Face Endurance Challenge in San Francisco. And at the time, I was the where I worked, I had some travel and I thought I could coordinate some travel with when the race was taking place, which was early December. And I wasn't able to make that in 2013 because of either, again, I was trying to remember why I didn't make it. Either it was the, the work trip didn't align. And I know I'd been dealing with some injuries at that point and just decided that, <coughs> that it wasn't going to work out. So I emailed the race director or the folks coordinating and I said, hey, you know what? I know there's a, there's a waiting list and I just want to let you guys know that I will not be making it to, to the race out in San Francisco. And the other thing about that race, just as a quick side note, is a lot of the ultra runners or a lot of the well-known, fast you know, men and women, that was kind of seen as kind of the unofficial kind of championship, end of the year. You know, there weren't, you know, all the ra- all the major races had already taken place. And so this was just, a, you know, an opportunity for the fast, fast dudes and dudettes to, to descend into San Francisco and run. 
in the Marin Headlands and, and just, you know, cap off, you know, another great year of running. So that was the other exciting part of it is that, you know, you knew that there were going to be these, these you know, the, the creme de la creme of the ultra world were going to be there. So anyway, they responded back and they were very gracious and said, you know, sorry, you can't make it. Um, but you can use this code or, you know, I think it was a code or just email us next year and we'll roll over your registration into another event the following year. So I thought, well, of course I'm going to do that. And um, which, you know, is kind of unheard of. You know, usually there's a clause in registrations that, that'll say, you know, no refunds and no rollovers. And so I was very grace, grace I was very grateful that they, that they that they did that because then as we moved into 2014 and thinking about okay my running's coming along I'm feeling pretty good the training's where I want it to be okay I'm going to sign up and I'm going to see if I can make it out to to California for for the North Face Endurance Challenge which was taking place early December and it was also at this time that I was also checking out 100 mile races because I figured okay at this point I've got you know, I've had a couple of 50 milers, you know, I've done some, I, I did some, um, just my own runs of, of long distances, you know, it was just felt better prepared in terms of how my body would respond to running for long periods of time. And, and I just felt comfortable that, okay, I'm ready to try my, ready to put my name into the hat for the, for the hundred mile distance. And so I looked all over to see if I could find a 100-mile race that um, would not only fit into my training schedule, but then was also close enough that, you know, I could drive to it because a lot of, and, and, and also that it would, that it was a, also a Western States qualifier because I figured at least if I'm going to do one, I want to do one that's a qualifier just so that I can at least um, have that box checked. And I and I came across Umstead, which was in, which is in North Carolina. And if you haven't listened to the episode with Rhonda Hampton, who is race director for Umstead 100, please definitely check that out because, you know, Umstead is a wonderful race. And um, well, listen to the episode and you'll and you'll see why. But then learning about that race, you know, there was a there was a lottery and the for the registration process, and so. As you know, fall of 2014, at this point, I was already registered for the North Face Endurance Challenge. And I then uh, was getting ready to register for Umstead. I did. I got in the registration process. Or there's a story behind that, so please definitely listen to that episode with Rhonda Hampton. And so I got in. So in this, And so that was September. The North Face Endurance Challenge was in December, which was a 50-miler. And then Umstead was happening at the end of March, end of March, early April, I believe that was for 2015. So this is the fall of 2014. So now I've got <clears throat> in my race calendar, you know, 50 miler coming up and then a hundred miler that was happening in the spring of 2015. And one thing that I did at this point also, I should say, I've been coaching, I've been coaching private clients. Um, and, you know, was, had done a lot of kind of reading and just training myself and getting certified as, as a running coach and had been training a lot of individuals, but I felt, you know, I've got, 
kind of a stout race calendar for myself that I wanted to get some guidance, get some information, get some coaching so that I could be best prepared to to kind of handle the demands of running a 50 miler and then months later running a 100 mile race. And so that's when I I reached out to McMillan, which a lot of folks might be familiar with. Um, Greg McMillan and his coaching and they have a you know, at that time had a group of coaches that were working with folks interested in the ultra distances. And then I got connected with um, Jacob Puzzi, who I just wrapped up a interview with him. And so that'll be coming out also. And um, so he worked with me. He it was great working with him because I learned a lot about training for ultras and, you know, the approach to training for, you know, not just one ultra, but then also two ultras. In, in kind of in a short short period of time, I guess you could say. So I trained for that. And so fast forward to running Umstead and I complete the race. And, you know, for all, you know, all things being equal, went well, finished, you know, decent time across the finish line. And I said, you know what? I'm good. I'm done. I'm done. I don't need to do this anymore. It was, it wasn't easy. It wasn't too hard. And I don't mean to say that flippantly, but, you know, I had trained, I, I did, you know, I prepared my body for, a, for, for the demands of, of running a hundred mile race. But I also thought, you know what, I'm good, but come on, you guys know what's going to happen. Well, you know what's happening because, you know, I ran Western States, but, you know, the next morning I wake up and I'm sore, but I'm elated because I, you know, earned my buckle and it was a great time at Umstead. And, you know, I'm thinking, hmm. Yeah, I'm going to have to put my name into the lottery. And so I did. And so, that, like I said, the race, what's, what Umstead was in the spring. And I believe the window to register for the lottery for Western State was early fall. I don't remember the exact dates for that. So that was 2015, early fall. I put my name in and did not think again. And I, and, and I should have went back and looked to see how many people had actually put their name into the registration uh, for Western states. And the thing you have to remember is that for Western, you've got 369 slots. Some of those slots go to sponsors. Some of those go to volunteers. And once you take out those kind of committed or, or you know, slots that are already committed, you really have only a little bit over 200, maybe 250, 260 spots open for the lottery out of I want to say there were like 6,000 entries into the lottery. I didn't even, there's just no way. There's no way I'm getting in. And so the lottery is usually the first Saturday in December, and they hold it at the auditorium of Placer High School. And that day, or that particular Saturday in 2015, uh, I was race directing uh, the, jing the jingle, jingle All the Way 5K which is a 5K fun run that we organized for the Casa Glen, the court-appointed special advocates here in Glen County that um, train volunteers to work with kids in the foster care system. And it's a great event. It's a holiday run. You know, we hold it over on Jekyll Island with great partners over there at Jekyll, and the island is decorated, and it's festive, and it's fun, and people come out, and they dress up, you know, Christmas attire or as elves or Christmas trees or whatever it's a great it's a great day and in the back of my mind I knew the lottery was happening 
but I also knew there's just no way in, in God's green earth and I was getting in. You've got 6,000 people trying to get in for 200 and some 60-odd spots. There's no way that, you know, my name is being being drawn from the, from the kitty. And so we get done with the race. We put everything away. It's later in the day, and I'm home, and I get a text from, from, from my um, good friend and former um, or, or friend from college, and uh, he sends me a text, and he says, hey, congratulations. I'm like, congratulations for what? I said, he says, and I wrote back, congratulations for what? I said, for getting in. Getting into what? I said, I didn't even know. I did, wasn't even aware at that point that, that that's what he was talking about. And so he says, you get into Western states. I'm like, you're full of crap. Because they were very clear in their instructions. If you get in, you're going to see your credit card get, you know, dinged, or you're going to get an email. And I, you know, had checked a couple times. No email, nothing, and, and they also do the live feed where they show the lottery live and names pop up and stuff like that. And so I'd gone to that a couple of times and didn't see my name pulled up, didn't see anything, and, you know, thought, you know, he's... And, you know, if, if you know my, my friend Rob, shout out to Rob, who's in North Carolina now, you know, he's a jokester. You know, we were buddies from college. He ran cross country, and, you know, we put up with a lot with each other, and he's a good guy, and... So I'm thinking he's pulling my leg. But then finally, as the site was refreshing, I saw my name. And there it said, Rogelio Quintanar, St. Simons Island, Georgia. You're in. And I think it was one of the late. There were maybe five or six other um, entries that they were pulling after my name. So it was like deep into the fourth quarter, if you will, that my name got pulled. And there you go. And then I was like, okay, I guess, I guess we gotta, we gotta get ready for this race. And um, and yeah, just couldn't believe it, and was still shocked for maybe, probably a good couple weeks, and didn't believe it until my credit card did get charged the the, the entry fee, and um, you know, got uh, had to start getting ready for 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 that adventure. And um, we'll talk more about this with um, the, the upcoming podcast episodes that, that are connected to, to me running to, to Western. But it's still one of the, one of the um, you know, I'm at a loss for words just as it, just, just being able to participate in this, in this, in this run and, and, and especially having my my kids also be a part of that is is just something that I will never ever ever forget and also just the the level of support that I had from the folks in in my community my little running community here in in southeast Georgia was was just unparalleled and and it was a great it was just a great experience and it's something that that uh, will stay with me for for well until for the rest of my life and it was just a great experience and so as you listen to this interview with Craig I hope you'll you'll come away with why this event is so special for many different reasons but it's it's you know it's just a great event and uh, and and you know, we'll I'll share more about that experience in like I said in, in upcoming episodes but um, you know I'm excited for you guys to hear this conversation with Craig because again this is one of those that um, you know, he has such a passion for the event and 
he has um, he's done a lot to to kind of bring the event up to um, modern times with some of the different things that they're doing and you're also going to learn some things about what it takes to organize an event like this and yeah I learned things that um, I wasn't aware of and, and I feel like I know a lot about the event not just from running it but just from following the sport so it was a great conversation I hope you guys take away a lot from it I hope you enjoy it and um, and then and there's a great surprise at the end which which I'm definitely gonna 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 be following up on so um, so yeah enjoy the episode and uh, let's go for a run. Yep. All right. So uh, we are here with Mr. Craig Thornley, the race director for the Western States 100, a little little known race that's held every June out in California. Um, so by my count, Craig, uh, we are 81, 82 days away from race day. Oh, I haven't put the uh, countdown on the website yet. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's June 26th, so I'll have to trust you on the number. It's still a lot of weeks. It's a lot of vaccination shots <laughs> away. <laughs> so. Okay, you, you mentioned vaccination shots and you guys recently made an announcement regarding vaccinations and those that are volunteering at this year's race, correct? That is correct. Yeah. We, we looked at each, um, each group of, of people who are involved in the race and our epidemiologists who help us and our medical director and our research director, they all, they all said that our volunteers are, well, obviously they're the biggest group of people numbering 1500 people but they're also the most likely to you know contract the virus or spread the virus they're together for many hours even though they're outside um they they are our highest risk so we decided we we're going to make it mandatory that all volunteers be vaccinated in order to volunteer at race day which is a big deal we haven't made the decision on runners uh crews or pacers yet but but volunteers will be will be vaccinated. Now the decision on racers, pacers, and crews, is that a decision that people might expect to hear from later on? Is yeah. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, hopefully these numbers continue to improve in California. We're doing really well and other places in the country, obviously like Michigan, not, not doing so well right now, but hopefully the whole country will start coming down and we'll have a better idea of what we can do with uh, testing and, and vaccinations. Sure. Um, we don't want to make a decision too early. This is, this, this is an overriding theme this year for me is we don't want to make decisions too early. If you, if I made decisions uh, two months ago or three months ago, the race <laughs> wouldn't be happening. Right? Um, right. So this is one of those years it's, it's, it's tough on, on a lot of people. It's tough on the runners. It's tough on the volunteers. I don't know what we're going to do um, until closer to the race. So we, we, we don't make, I don't want to make wrong decisions. I don't want to be looking around June 26th, somewhere at Robinson flat where we've, we've banned crews and there's nothing going on with the pandemic, right? It, um, <laughs> we have 75% of us vaccinated and the, and the numbers are just insignificant. No one's getting, no one's getting hospitalized and no one, you know, very few people are, 
or getting seriously ill um, because we made the decision too early. I don't want to be, I don't want to be in that position. Sure. Sure. And thinking about when this, when the decision was made to cancel last year to the decision to hold the event this year, obviously you had momentum last year, which was interrupted because of the pandemic. You make the decision to ramp up to have the event this year. What was that like just logistically? Last year was so different than this year. Yeah. Uh, what really changed the picture for us, I mean, we, we canceled at the end of March. We were one of the first races to cancel. And it wasn't because the permitting agency told us we couldn't have the race. Um, we were looking around the world and there, there were lockdowns. People in Europe couldn't go a kilometer away from their house or a hundred meters in the mountain towns, they couldn't sure. go 100 meters above their house. And, and it was a very different um, environment for most of our runners. This year, um, things are getting better. We, we've learned so much more about how the virus has spread. Um, outdoor activity is, is actually good and, and low risk for, for spreading. And, and unless you're really close together for a long right. period of time, you're not just not going to get enough viral. We know that it's not transmitted as easily by touch last year we had no idea right we mm -hmm. thought oh we got to wash our hands and and not touch anything and that we've learned that that's not the primary way this this virus um, spread so this year everything's pointing everything's going in the right direction not not not, not for everybody in the world but sure. at least for the majority of us in the united states things are going in the right direction people can train um and yeah, they're getting out and, and doing stuff. It's a, it's a little challenging for some runners who are used to racing leading up to Western states and using those races to get um, in shape. Um, that's been a little bit harder. We, we, we're finally getting races here. American River 50, uh, the Canyons, and Formidable are all going to happen. And I ran a 14-miler last weekend uh, just near my house here, Ghost Bridge, which was the first race back in, 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 in this local area. So they're starting to happen. Races are starting to happen in, in California. And so when, when, when you picked up the, 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 the baton, if you will, for this year, because you, because you were, because the race was canceled last year, you're, you're, you're already deep into the planning for 2020. So now you make the decision for 2021. What were the challenges or, and what was easy about where you're at right now compared to a normal year or normal circumstances? Well, I would say nothing about this year has been easy from the <laughs> administration. Uh, when, especially in, in January and in February, when, when we were at the peak of, I guess, the third wave in the United mm -hmm. States, um, that was really hard to be motivating and, you know, work with my managers and all my aid station captains like, yeah, we're going to put this race on when it's, we're at the bleakest point of this pandemic ever. Right. It's so I, I wouldn't say this was easy. Um, the easiest thing would have been to just cancel in January or February, and then we'd just be done and we move on to we're planning on next year. And, you know, we, we go have fun. I go on three month climbing road trip. <laughs> um, so this has not been, this has not been easy. In, in some ways last year was probably easier. Once, once we canceled, 
um, that was, it was, there was work to do to put, put things to rest and cancel things and, and, and deal with all the, the sponsor contracts that were, you know, every, every contract was dealt with differently um, depending on the situation of the sponsor um, and runners were offered rollover. So at the, at the time people were like, okay, I'll just wait till next year. No, no big deal. This year uh, it's, um, you know, it's still I, I, every, um, every week or two, I get another, another piece of the puzzle. Like, you know, I'll get the okay from the state or I'll get the okay from the feds. Like, yeah, this is going to happen. We're moving in the right direction. And then like, I can't get a permit to use the forest Hill school, um, parking lot for our forest Hill aid station. And I can't get Auburn Lake trails to let us use their land for the 85 mile aid station. Like what these, these, these things come out of left field. Like how, how can you, the state of California and the federal government are going to give us permits and you're not going to give us permits. So there, there's all these little things that come up that continue to make it, make it challenging. Um, but yeah, no, there's nothing easy about this year. <laughs> no, and there, I mean, obviously there's a lot of industries and a lot, a lot of people impacted um, may, maybe more seriously than us, but um, we put on, we put on a, an event that, um, you know, is impactful for many people in the world. It's, it's something that people wait many years to run. Absolutely. Um, so we, we want to put the race on and, and we believe we can put it on safely. That, that, that has not been, um, that has not been, uh, a, a, that doesn't seem to be that hard of a problem for us right. to solve. It's more, can we get the permitting agencies and all these little pieces? Can we get everybody to agree that, yeah, they can put the race on. Right. And is that uh, going to line up? Have the per all the permits been? They're not all lined up yet. Okay. No, but <laughs> I don't have a, <laughs> I don't have a 62 mile aid station. I don't have an 85 mile aid station. <laughs> Um, and who, who knows what else is going to happen. We did yeah. get Placer High School. That was a huge deal. They, they were not accepting uh, requests for use of facilities until until recently. Oh, wow. When they said, yeah, you can use the finish line. That was that was a pretty big piece of the puzzle. And their decision is around the pandemic and COVID. Is that the yeah. reasoning mostly? Yeah, it, almost 100% that. Yeah. Um, many of them have... Uh, you know, guidelines or policies that, that are imposed on them, like state of California or, or the, or the county imposing restrictions on, on different agencies or, or, or uh, schools. So their hands are tied, whether, sure. whether they, whether they love the race or not, they're like, I can't, I can't find a way to make this happen. Correct. So right, yeah, we had that with some of our events where, um, you know, the permitting agency said, you can have your event, but you can only have 50 people at this location where we normally have 2000 people. Well, that's not going to work. Right. Right. So what's our plan B? Well, plan B is we're going to do a virtual race, which everybody loves. Note the sarcasm. And, <laughs> and, and then, you know, we have to, you know, move on and wait. And obviously everybody's understanding that it's a pandemic and there's yeah. a lot of difficulties surrounding that, but it's also hard when you have a lot of energy behind an event that, is important to the community and then you can't have it. And, you know, it's some, it's, it's, we live and we learn. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so one of the things that I wanted to chat with you about Craig, that I found really interesting about your background is I took a look at your conduct the juices uh, blog or website. I don't know what you call it anymore. It was a blog. Yeah. Uh, I, 
they're kind of passe, but it was a blog. <laughs> but you okay. wrote, now this will be your, you were, you started in 2013. You were an assistant in 2012, right? Do I have that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So you've been at the helm now for, let's do the math. What? Nine years. Is that right? This, will, this will be the ninth race. Cycle, ninth yeah. race. Right. Yeah. One of the things that you wrote about that your predecessor, Greg Sutherland said was, you know, sometimes change is okay. Do you remember writing that? <laughs> oh, I do. Yeah. And I remember him telling me that too. And there, there was a, there was a dramatic pause. So the way he said it to me, okay. was, Craig, sometimes change is okay. <laughs> he was thinking about it, right? Yeah. He, he was pretty resistant to change because this is such a big, big event to put on. Yeah. So if, if you approach this with, um, you know, you got your script on what you need to do throughout the year leading up to the race. Um, if you change things, it kind of takes you out of the, out of a rhythm. And I don't work that way at all. So (laughs) like, ah, just scramble. Let me ask organized as he was. So let me ask you this in, in, in thinking about change, how have you changed from that point? To now, me personally, personally as a race director, as a cat owner, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> well, my body at fifty-seven years old is no longer the same. Um, that I, I my, like my running, pain. my running has definitely um, gone the wrong direction. If <laughs> if you want to run fast, <laughs> uh, and and I'm. I'm I've come to grips with that. I had a four or five year uh, injury cycle where I just couldn't, mm. couldn't break out. I had, I had an imbalance and that started with a, a distal femur injury, bone injury. Mm. And then I atrophied on the left side. And because of that imbalance, I just kept getting injury after injury, injury, and a couple back injuries. Um, so my, my running is not um, what it used to be, but that's okay. I still, <laughs> I still managed to get around UTMB. Um, and, and, and that's no small feat either. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Uh, and, and just, I had to, I had to sprint. I ran a, the last mile right under eight minutes. They had a, nice. a last mile Strava challenge. So they, they, you know, everybody could see what you ran to break 41 hours. So that's, that's an accomplishment. <laughs> it was dead in the middle of the pack. So, uh, you know, I, yeah, I, I, I'm nowhere near the runner I used to be. Um, in terms of, uh, race directing, wow. I don't know if, I don't know if I'm that much different. Um, I may, I, I, I've told my wife and my friends, if I ever get to the point where I don't want to innovate anymore in, in, in this position, then I need, I want them to tell me that I'm not innovating. And then I need to step down and let someone with, with newer energy, come in and, and, and steward this race in, mm-hmm. into the future. So I, I hope I, I hope I haven't changed to the negative. <laughs> um, is your wife here? Can, can she come in and answer that question? <laughs> she, well, she's on a Zoom call in her, in her office. Um, you know, I think I'm, I think I'm the same. I think I'm the same. I have the same energy and the same passion and, um, I, I have, wow, this is making me think. Um, 
you know, early on in this job, there was, I mean, this is a huge ship, right? 1,500 sure. volunteers, 20-something yep. mm-hmm. aid station captains, a board of 15, um, lots of passionate people, and it's hard to make change. And it was, mm-hmm. it was hard to get the trust, to gain the trust of people early on. And to see where we are now from, from where we were in 2012 when I was assistant, it's really gratifying. Uh, I got so many incredible people around me. Um, and, and I think it would be an indicator like the canary in the coal mine if, if, if these really smart people suddenly start saying, Craig, I'm going to do something else. I don't want to be I don't want to be associated with you, the, you or the race anymore. Then, then I've done something bad. But so far, uh, you know, I just got incredible people that that I mean, really, really talented um, people that that are surrounding me and mm-hmm. and they trust me, um, and that's pretty gratifying mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To, um, to feel that. And 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 this is probably a good year to to test that with the aid station captains not knowing what the protocols are at the aid stations, right? They're just hanging on waiting. Everybody's waiting for us to make, make the, the final calls on thing. And, and, you know, I, I feel like I've, I've gained the trust of, um, of the organization. So sure. that, that's pretty gratifying. So then in looking at your tenure and, and, and I was trying to make sure I got the dates on this correct, or at least that these, these, major changes or major policy changes happened under your leadership. There was the uh, inclusion in the UTWT, drug testing, the wait list, pregnancy deferral, and the transgender policy. Is that, was that all under, well, you've been the race director. Okay. Yeah. I think one, I think even going back earlier than some of those, um, just adding the entry type column to the wait list. Yeah. yeah. Like how people got in, how people got, in. that was a hard change to make. And when I got here, it was a mystery of how people got in the race and it just left, it just left people to speculate on how people got in the race. And, and as the, as the entry list changes leading up to the race, this was before wait list, right. but there were, there were still changes that, that happened for a variety of reasons. People were just left to speculate. Well, how in the hell did that person get in the race? And why did that person leave the race? And there was so much distrust. We had, we had people wanting to audit our lottery because they didn't trust us. <laughs> I know like there's none of that now. So, so starting back then, that was one of my first things. I just, I wanted to make sure that we were as transparent as, as we could be. And if, and if, if we were shy about, about revealing why someone got in the race, then maybe we need to examine why in the heck did we let this person in the race? If you can't defend it to the, to your constituents, then question, like, look at ourselves, let's put it out there. If people don't like it, but we're okay with it, then that, then that's fine. But if we're not okay with it, then we need to change it. So that, that I think was, was what what year was that? What year would, was that I just was looking back on the 2013 entrance list. They, it wasn't there. Okay. It was either 2014 or 2015. It, it took a while. It, it, <laughs> I couldn't just immediately do it. It, it took some, uh, took some change, but since then, you know, the lottery process is as crazy as the demand has increased. 
people aren't questioning the integrity of the lottery anymore. They're not right. questioning the integrity of the entrance list. Yeah, you can complain about, oh, there's a hundred and something automatics, you know, auto, aid stations, raffle spots, board members. You can complain about that, but it's all out there. Right. There, there's nothing hidden. There's no there's, mystery. There's, we're not, there's no mystery. Like this is how people got in. Like, <laughs> you don't like it. That's your, that's your problem. But we're constantly trying to, you know, make sure we're in the sweet spot. I'd like to reduce the number of automatics, but the, the number, you know, aid station spots, if we pulled those away, what would that do to the aid stations? What would that do to the, to the enthusiasm at each individual aid station? I mean, it, it, who knows what it would do to it. It's a, it's a risky, risky thing to start pulling those away. They're, they're well, all, you know, we've reduced the number, but not significantly. You know, if, if we got rid of sponsor spots, um, you know, what would that do to the cost of the entry fee? It would, it would, it would at least double and maybe people would tolerate that, but we don't want to have a thousand dollar entry fee. We want to make this somewhat accessible. I know $410, which is our entry fee right now and has been for a couple of years. We know that's, that's a pretty high cost for, for some people, but a thousand dollars would be much more prohibitive than than a $400 entry fee. So, you know, all these, all these automatic spots, we're still, um, you know, we're evaluating, but, but each of them we're, we're trying to be very deliberate and careful on when we're, when we're changing those. So as you were talking about that, I was reminded of something else that you talked about in your, in your blog, this idea of tension and tension within an organization and how that tension can help pull the value or to highlight the value of, of, of an organization. And so you're talking about the cost of entry into Western states, you know, and I've thought about your, you're posing the question of egalitarianism versus elitism. You know, if you charge, to me, $400 for this type of an event doesn't seem bad. It seems reasonable given what you're doing to put together the race. And that's just me having my race director hat knowing a little bit of what goes on when you're putting together an event like this. At the same time, I know that if I charged $1,000, people would pay it, but you're getting a different, it's going gonna, it's gonna to change the look of the event. Exactly. I, I love that, that using the idea of tensions, not, not only to evaluate, um, you know, your, your values, but you can look at other races and, oh, and you can say, right. wow, look at what, look at what they buy, right? You, it's not just your own, but you can look right. at others. Like not not necessarily to be critical. I, I try not to be critical, at least publicly, of other issues. But you can see how they resolve those tensions. Absolutely. You know, um, I sat on a panel with Chris Kosman, um, mm -hmm. Badwater, a few years ago, U.S. Trail Running Conference, and <laughs> we have similar demands. And he just flat out said, "Yeah, Craig, we 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 let um, we let the price go up to demand, so the supply and demand curve." Me, he's fourteen hundred dollar entry fee. Oh gosh! <laughs> and, and I said, "Well, that's not us. Right? That's not that's not how we resolve that tension." So to see, and he wasn't. He's fine with it. He's like he's for profit, right? Enterprise. I don't hold any any uh, any ill will towards that, but and, and he doesn't either. But to see how he resolved it compared to how we resolved it was it, it's pretty interesting. And it's not one. It doesn't mean there's one right answer. You resolve that tension whatever way you want. Some some race directors, maybe they, or organizations, maybe they should look at those tensions 
and, and see if they're in the right spot. Maybe they, they could use it to, to better their own event. Um, but yeah, I love that analogy. I, I love using that. So it, it, now, now, you know, going into your ninth year, thinking about tensions and thinking about, you know, how you initially hit up against some traditions or ways that people were very rigid with, what's your assessment, you know, nine years in about the value, values, not only of the organization, but the value of the event itself? Does that make sense? Um, I'm not quite sure, but I can just start talking. So. <laughs> well, here, let me ask it differently. Do you feel the values that are being represented that the either the, the board or you are espousing and, and displaying are where you want it to be? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And we're, and, and that's evolving. Um, it's not, it's not static. You know, our, our board has continued to change. Sure. Um, and we have really tense discussions. Most of the tense discussions happen in committee and not in the general board. Um, so a lot of those tensions are resolved in these, in these committees. And sometimes things that we thought were a good idea, it's like, come on, let's just implement that. Um, they get too much resistance and, and we don't, um, we don't implement them, but yeah, we're, we're, yeah, I think we're in the, in the right spot right now. Yeah. You're in the right spot to have those difficult conversations. People are yeah. open to having those conversations. Yeah. Sometimes it's frustrating. <laughs> you know, you like, why don't you just do what I want to do? Right. <laughs> but you're part of this organization too. <laughs> Your voice matters. And, and we have some board members who have been here for many, many decades, including one from the very beginning mm -hmm. um, and hearing her perspective. Um, she's, she's often the the grounding voice when, when we get too aggressive on changing, <laughs> um, she's a grounding voice. Um, but yeah, I, I, we're, we're, we're happy with, with, I think we're in the right spot. Right spot. What, what's the, uh, yeah. what's, what's the one thing you would want to implement not having to go through committee? <laughs> I don't know if I should say anything like that. <laughs> I'm Here, not let, a dictator. I, I work let me mute. Board. Let me mute the the, the microphone. <laughs> no, no, no. I'll get in trouble. <laughs> All right, let me let me ask it differently. If you could have a magic wand and wave it over the event, what would you love to see happen? Well, wow. Uh, <laughs> uh, there's wow. Well, I would love for everybody who wants to run the race to be able to get to yeah. get an chance to experience. We are implementing a new race mm. that's going to use most of the course in the high country. Most of the, the oh, you guys are adding a race. We're adding a race. Oh, yeah, the yeah. same weekend or a different time of the year? No, it's going to be in September. Okay, starting in twenty twenty two. Yeah, and we think we know the name of the race. We think it's going to be Pahatsi hundred K. Okay. And it's going to go through the north, the, the north fork canyon. Okay. So as you're going up the from Forest Hill to Robinson Flat, that's the divide between the middle fork drainage and the north fork drainage. North fork drainage is just spectacular drainage. And it, it, if you're in western states, you're training, you never even look over to that left side because because the western states trails on on the middle fork on the right <laughs> side. So you never even look over there. Well, I have been exploring there for the last few years, and it's an incredible canyon. So we're going to link that canyon 
join the Western States course at about the Red Star Ridge aid station, a little okay. bit before Red Star Ridge, okay. and then and then go to Forest Hill. Um, and that we hope is going to we're not going through a wilderness area, obviously. Right, right. Um, so that will allow more people to experience the the course. That that's probably the that's probably the hardest thing. If I don't necessarily want Western states to allow two thousand runners, I don't think that would be a good thing for the event. But what's really what's the hardest is is people who are disappointed year after year after year they can't get in the race. That that's the hard that's the hardest part. Um, that I would love to see change. I don't know if I have the answer for that, but, but putting on another race that uses part of the course is a way to, you know, kind of mit- mitigate that, that disappointment for some. And the same infrastructure. Or yeah. The- right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be a Western States event. Um, now, now, as far as I know, it, this is the first time that they're, that the board or that the organization is hosting two events like this, correct? This will be the first time. Yeah, we have actually had to, we're having to change our articles of incorporation and, and bylaws so that to, we can to be able to have it. Yeah, more than one event. Well, that's exciting. It, has that been announced, or is this a breaking no, news? No, I, I <laughs> mentioned it at another podcast I did okay. a while ago, another interview. Um, but I'm I'm so consumed with putting on this year's race that <laughs> that I've, some of these other issues are are on the back burner right now. Um, but that's going to be, that's going to be really spectacular. Yeah, that, no, that's fantastic. And, and as you mentioned, you know, wanting or wishing that everybody that wanted to run the race could run the race. One of the big pieces of the event is the lottery and the qualifications. And you guys also recently instituted a change to the, the way tickets roll over, you know, for folks that aren't able to get in either the first try or the second try or third try correct? That's correct. Yeah. And this was a big change. So this was another hard thing to take. Sure. Uh, People would invest, you know, seven or eight years, consecutive years running a qualifier, entering the lottery. We, we implemented the one time buy, which would let people skip one year of qualifying if they got injured or whatever reason we didn't ask. Um, But it was still painful. And then people would, would hesitate to use their one time buy because they might need it in the future more than they need it right now. They may be at 10 years and they don't want to lose their, I don't even know what the multiplier is. Right. Right. 1,024 or something. Um, so we, we have relaxed that requirement. So, so it's more like uh, hard rock where, yeah, no, the years don't have to be consecutive. It could take you, a lot more years than it did before because if you take years <laughs> off now you, you know it's gonna it could take you 10 or 12 years um of actual years and sure. maybe eight seven or eight qualifiers so that's a it's a it's a good change and the we had been talking about it or thinking about it for a couple of years but this um this pandemic pushed it to the forefront because people were having a harder time getting a qualifier right now and they're all yeah. stressing out. Many people were stressing out and I was getting pretty bombarded with, you know, can I use this? Can I, can I use this as a qualifier? What I do? Okay. If you can't run a qualifier for the 2022 lottery, it's not going to hurt your ticket accumulation. Sure. So it was a good, it was a good change. Yeah. And this, so in terms of the people that are running this year, how many rolled 
everyone rolled over. And do you know, or haven't, I guess you maybe don't know how many are actually taking advantage of the rollover and how many are people that were, because you had a lottery in December, correct? We did not have a lottery. Oh, didn't? So, okay. so the, everybody in the 2020 field rolled over to 2021. No one took us up on the offer, a hundred percent refund, which no one seem to care about how much it costs. <laughs> like we gave you a whole ref- 100% refund if you want out. Um, but we just offered, I guess it was a week ago now, we offered the overseas runners okay. the opportunity to roll to 2022. Um, and out of 67, I think we're at 40, 42 folks have, have accepted that offer. Okay. And, and it's so different in, in Europe, the, the vaccination situation, the, the variants, I mean, it's just, Travel is so different than it is for us. CDC just relaxed the restrictions on on travel in the United States, right? And it's just going to get better between now and and, and the end of June. But for many of those in in Europe, especially, it's just not it's not the same. So we offered we offered them a rollover, and we 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 are processing waitlisters to fill those spots right now. Right, right. So and in terms of. Um the pro runners, the fast women and the fast men that are going to be joining the race this year. Have you had a commitment from folks that either earned a golden ticket and if they're participating, um, any update there? Well, we added Jim Walmsley to the field. That was a pretty big deal. It was a big deal. <laughs> uh, he wanted to run comrades. He, so he didn't accept his invitation to run last year because he was going to run comrades. That's right. And then he was going to try to run comrades this year. Um, and he was after his carbon X project, carbon X two, right. where he ran six Oh, six Oh nine. Yeah. Right. I think it was right. Six Oh nine 51. Yeah. That's just, uh, I don't, I'll, I'll never run a road hundred K after watching that. That, that guy was, <laughs> so much pain. it was beautiful, but he was, he wanted to run a golden ticket race to qualify. He wanted to run black Canyon couple of weeks after that right like and hoka and uh like no jim don't don't you don't no don't do that um so hoka which is our presenting sponsor now um we we let him in on a, on a sponsor spot sponsor and that was spot. that was a big deal uh we've had the golden ticket runners are or no one's said anything other than I want to race. Right. Um, we had three UTWT overseas runners take the rollover option because travel. Um, we have we have people from Europe though that are coming. Uh, Beth Pascal is coming. Oh, yeah. She's a doctor. She she sent me an email saying I finally got approval. I don't know what she had to do. Um, she's in the UK. Um, and then uh, Audrey Tengai, who won Project Carbon X two. Right. Right. Uh, she traveled from France to Arizona to run that. <laughs> She's coming. So some of them are, some of them are, are coming, um, but it, it'll probably because of the loss of three of those UTWT runners, you know, it, it'll probably be a little more American heavy on, on heavy. the front, on the, on the front end, which is okay. I, I got an email from Tim Tollison. I was, I was hesitating whether I should say his name or not. <laughs> Uh, Tim Tollison, who we're so excited to finally have in Western States. He grew up near yeah. here, just west of Auburn here. Um, and he's been running UTMB. He's got this obsession with UTMB. Right. He lives in Mammoth. 
So training in Mammoth for UTMB it makes more sense. Um, he's in the race. We're super excited. I saw oh, that's exciting. I saw him last Friday or a week, a week and a half ago. And he said, Craig, I don't care if we have, if we don't have pacers or we don't have crews, I just want to run. And I'm speaking on behalf of all the runners in the race. <laughs> That's what he said. He, he said he's speaking on behalf of everybody. <laughs> um, so he's, he, he's super excited. And he was excited that Jim's in the race too. Yeah. That'll be a fun, fun race to watch. Oh, it's always fun with Jim. You never know, you never know what you're going to get with Jim, you know? Um, and, and Tim, uh, I don't pick favorites. I don't, I don't pick, I don't play a uh, prognosticator, but, but Tollefson's racing style is, and you can see it at UTMB, right? He's not out there running out in the front, but boy, he is lurking and he is, he is charging at the end and he won't go out there with Walmsley. He'll be, he'll be, he'll be waiting for the carnage to come back to him. <laughs> and if Walmsley runs the race that he can, no one's going to be near him. No, nope. but if you go out with Walmsley, like um, Sage and David Laney did Walmsley's second year. Um, mm-hmm. Or Jared, do it a couple years ago? You, you know, Jared got, Jared didn't, um, Jared survived, but Laney and, and Laney and Sage, they just blew up. And, and of course, right, right. Walmsley blew up too. So they, just all this carnage happened because of Walmsley's pace. Tim won't be influenced by that at all. He'll just let whoever wants to go run, you know, Hayden Hawks and uh, who, whoever else, these, these, these folks who, who can run the pace that Jim runs early. Now, you know, it, it's, it's also interesting that once you took over the race director position, we've seen super fast times at Western States. Maybe, maybe you do have the secret sauce, Craig. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I get to take credit for that. Uh, the sport has definitely become more professionalized and the athletes can get pretty, pretty good, good deals. Um, yeah, I don't think I get to take credit for that. <laughs> Um, it's awesome that, that, that the elite still want to run here. And we, we, you know, going back to the tension, we, we yeah. understand that if you want to, if you want to be influential, you want to be relevant and you want to get sponsor revenue, um, you need to have a pointy end. You need to have a fast, you need to have fast runners, both male and female. Um, but you can't put all your eggs in that basket, right? You still gotta, still gotta make it accessible. And, and, and that golden hour, the last hour of Western States, it's track. My God, you, you just missed it. You were 28 something. Yeah, I was 28, 45, Um, I'm a golden hour finisher. <laughs> I know. The year after you, I ran 29, 11. <laughs> my God, that, that was, well, that was way better than any of my fastest finishes better than my 18 hour finishes. It was, it was incredible. I, we had 50 to 70 people finish in that last hour. Um, but yeah, we, we, we know the importance of the, of the point sure. in it. And it's, it's great that the, that the fast people still want to run Western States. It, it's, it's, oh, I it's think they're, I, I think they'll always want to. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. It's good. It, 
you know, you don't get prize money, but you get sponsorship and you, you get, maybe you have, um, you get, you get bragging rights and you get you a really get, cool trophy. Come it, on, it, It's it's good. Yeah. It's pretty good. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I ran Western States and all I got was a belt buckle, but I'm telling you that, that belt buckle, <laughs> it is a good, prize, man. but yeah, it's a prize possession. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, so the other thing that I found interesting that you wrote about um, in 2013, you wrote kind of some interesting statistics, and I wanted to revisit those quick or just briefly here and see if they've been updated um, now that you've been there for almost a decade. Uh, you initially wrote that you guys had just moved into a new 3,000 square foot warehouse. Is that the, still the same one you're using? We are in the same warehouse that we moved to. Yeah. Okay. All right. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it has low ceilings. We don't need a forklift. <laughs> it's, it's just a couple minutes from my house, which is a couple minutes from the finish line. Um, yeah, it's good. And then you said you guys had almost 2000 unique views uh, to the website, uh, you know, daily. Is that the website actually gets fewer visits now the, because social media has changed how we disseminate oh, information. I got you. How people consume information. So sure. the, the website's somewhere around 17 or 1800 today, it, but it has not increased. It's, and that's an interesting, uh, interesting change. But you're getting it, more hits in Facebook, Instagram. Oh, Facebook and, and Twitter. Facebook is our, still our kind of the main, our, our constituents you, or our, Runner, I don't know what we call our runners. Um, <laughs> Your run constituent. Our run constituent. They're primarily on Facebook, Twitter's <laughs> next, and then Instagram. Um, yeah, so th they've taken uh, probably the the increase out of the website. Sure, sure. But when you need when we need people to look for statistics, it needs to or or announcements from the race. We need you the can source go. to be right. on wscr.org, not not on social media. Right, right, right. So there's often ref, you know, pointers, links to to our website. Sure, sure. But many times people see tweets and they never click on the link, but they see they see whatever headline I put above right. the link, and that's enough. <laughs> I mean, that's another problem outside of running. Right, right, right. Did you even right. read the damn link? No, you just... <laughs> so We're in a weird time, that's for sure. Um, you, you mentioned volunteers earlier, you got about 1500 volunteers. That seems to be the, 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 the sweet number about 1500, correct? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. And maybe talk a little bit about, you know, the aid station volunteers are one piece to it. What are the other pieces that volunteers are essential for putting together the race? Well, our communication infrastructure is very elaborate. Um, primarily ham radio infrastructure, both, both, um, packet radio which is using uh ham technology to sure. send emails and and lightweight attachments like csv attachments so sure. we can we can send bib time pairs um, mm. via an email over mm. the ham technology uh, we've invested a lot of uh time and energy into that um and the 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 number of ham radio operators is is excessive now i can't i can't tell you what the number is <laughs> 100 or 100 or 100 and something 
And those uh, are, and, and they're, and they're positioned throughout the course on um, yeah. race weekend, correct? Yeah. And we put to, to get, um, to get coverage down in the canyons, mm-hmm. we put up portable repeaters, mm-hmm. crossband repeaters are called. Mm-hmm. Are you a ham radio operator? Uh, and, and no. <laughs> so crossband. Go ahead. So cross crossband repeaters, we put these temporary repeaters that allow signals to be bounced uh, in, into and out of uh, out of the deep canyon. So those are strategically placed, and they have power requirements, and you know they're they're, they're it's pretty complicated to get those operational, but sure. it allows us to to communicate. So that's a that's a really significant. Uh, type of volunteer that is, is not necessarily an aid station volunteer. Uh, and then we have course markings and, and the sweep teams, the, the course marking folks, um, they, they obviously have a lot of ground to cover <laughs> and they do. <laughs> and it's incredible. We've, we've on the snow years, your, your year wasn't a snow year, but 27 no. was a snow year it's hard to follow the trail up high. So they're using Gaia and the GPS track to, to mark the course in the high country. It's, it's pretty awesome. Uh, and um, the medical volunteers, which I guess we see at the aid station. So maybe, maybe those are considered aid station volunteers, but our, our medical team is an integral part of, of our, you know, providing a safe experience. And we, we've, we've changed a lot in the 13, since 2013, in the sure. nine years that I've been here, we used to have scales mm-hmm. um, and we would use weight, the starting weight and compare it to the weight that you, you exhibited at different aid stations along mm-hmm. the course. And we made decisions based on the weight. We realized based on research that we had done here and, and at Comrades, um, that that's not necessarily a good indicator of of hydration status or or whether you should continue on or not and it was causing people to overdrink um, and, and exacerbating hyponatremia so we would have every year we'd have people in the hospital we'd it, it was it was it was bad yeah. and we were contributing that we we had um s caps or salt caps mm-hmm. uh, whatever brand you want um, and people were bypassing their, their taste mechanism. So they're putting sodium on board many, many times. They didn't need that sodium and it would cause them to drink more. And they may look good on the scale because they're either the same weight that they started with or maybe a pound or two heavy. And we realized, we learned that, wow, that's actually a really bad thing. You should lose weight. You should lose weight over the course of 100 miles. Mostly because the the water stored in the carbohydrates that you have Mm -hmm. in your body, right? You should lose weight. So what we were doing with those medical volunteers and the scales were were causing people to become hyponatremic or to exacerbate Mm -hmm. hyponatremia. So the medical volunteers have have evolved. The whole medical team has evolved in, in the last nine years based on research and and Boy, that's it's it's really good to to see the change. When when I was running Western states, um, we would do weird things to avoid <laughs> the medical person or to make sure your weight was high enough. You know, you put rocks. I heard first time I stood in line to to check in Western states, this guy was telling me, 
about putting rocks in his in his shorts when he get on the scales at, at age scales. Like this is just stupid. The medical folks are supposed to be there to help you, right? To see it change now where there's no fear of the aid station medical volunteer. Like you're you're here to help me. Tell me what I need to do, you know? And, and to, to see that relationship change um, is really good. And and we don't have as many people go into the hospital each right, year. Right. We don't we don't start IVs at the finish line like we used to. Uh, I, I can imagine. Hey, Thornley, hold my place in line. I'm going to go put rocks in my shorts. Hold on. It was dumb. Or you, we pour water right before you get in the aid right. station. You try to get really heavy and, and you don't have to do that anymore. You have to play those stupid games. Um, oh and then there's, there's a huge team of a significant team of sweeps. Now we've changed the sweep, the sweep, um, the sweep team considerably. We used to use horseback. Mm. Um, and I think we were the only 100 miler in the in the world that used horseback. Maybe Vermont still did uh, for sweeps. But it ties into the history of the birth of the of the. Uh, yeah, it does a little bit. So we, we made the change, and yeah, that one was a little rough. I, I will admit, <laughs> it was, there were some grumbling. Some people probably still hate me for this one, but um, but we ha- now have runners who are ham radio operators, and they have first aid training. Um, and, and those sweep teams are, um, it's just, it's a lot, it's a lot better team. We communicate with them. They can communicate with us. Sure. Uh, not that, uh, it's not that equestrians didn't, uh, you're not going to have any equestrians listening to this, right? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I mean, you know, if you're, if you're walking up, if you're walking up from swinging bridge up devil's thumb, uh-huh. And you're struggling at the end and someone comes up on a horseback behind you and says, Hey, do you want to ride? <laughs> what are you going to do? Right. Uh... Uh, but if it's not even there, if that option's not there, right. You're not going to think, Hey, could you go get me a horseback? I'm really tired. I'm the, you no, know, you, you ran down to the bottom of the Canyon. You get to get out of it. It's right. your responsibility to get yourself out. So <laughs> the, the, the sweep teams on horseback thought they were providing this incredible necessary sure. service. And like, no, it's no, no, it's not necessary. Runners can get themselves out. Um, so having runners out there, it's been, um, it's been good. And they also clean up the ribbons as they go. And the, the okay. horseback folks, um, they just didn't, they couldn't be bothered with cleaning the ribbons up. So uh, <laughs> I don't know. It was, it was just hard. And, and the disconnect between not being a runner, not understanding what runners are going through. Um, just, it, there was a lot of, there were, there were a lot of issues around those. So sure, I'm sure. very, very uh, proud of our, our sweep team. Some more tension, team. right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> And there's probably other volunteer groups. Well, the board is volunteer and they, they work their asses off. Oftentimes they don't get any visibility. You know, I'm the one on the front lines. I get, I get the kudos and I get the, 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 the bad, the bad press too, when, when there is bad. Um, But they work their butts off year round. Sure. You know, it takes, it takes a lot of individuals to put this event together and it goes year round year round and yeah. it never stops <laughs> it never stops yeah yeah uh, it ebbs and flows but it never stops right it never stops <laughs> now wh- one thing about these numbers that you posted i thought was really fascinating um 
35 portable toilets in 2013. Have we upped it to 40? Um, yeah, it's more than that now. Um, <laughs> and this year is probably going to be even higher than that. It's still a surprisingly low number. Uh, I think I had that for our marathon. In <laughs> yeah, it's, it's surprisingly low. Um, we're, we're adding more to Forest Hill. Um, if, if the school lets us sure. use their facility, we're, 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 we're going to have our own toilets outside. And I think we did that last year. Um, you did in 2016. We had toilets out there. Yeah, because I used one. <laughs> you used one, yeah. So we started doing that. Um, but yeah, it's still a surprisingly low, low number. In the state parks, many of our aid stations are at places where the state parks already has toilets. Sure. So we don't have to supplement those. Um, and it's, yeah. It, and in some of the aid stations, it's you, it's impossible to get a portal let down into those areas. Yeah, and we, in some of those, we now use trailer units so the oh, okay. stations carry tow their own toilet in there uh, red star ridge does that uh, quarry road does that um yeah but it is a surprisingly low number of toilets <laughs> i know and i saw that i thought really <laughs> but when you when you put on a road race and there's everybody at the start at the same time everybody needs to go to the bathroom at the same right, time exactly right, right. And, ah! So they're probably underutilized. Right, right. Maximum, whereas ours like, oh, are spread yeah. out, right? Spread out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's an interesting stat. It's kind of an embarrassing stat. <laughs> but, 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 but as a race director, it's one of those things that it's not the most stressful part, but it is stressful because just like you said at the start, where you have hundreds of people lining up, what do they have to do? Cause they're nervous and they're anxious or they drank too much water. Their coffee's hitting at the right time. You know, they need a bathroom. And if I only have five there, well, that's going to cause yeah. the line. And then the emails afterwards are like, you guys were under, you know, served with the portalettes. So, you know, it's, it's, we, you know, we, we, we roll them out and then people, like you said, it, it, it is underutilized yeah. when you, when you look at the numbers, but if you don't have it. Right. Uh, <laughs> yep. Yep. We had a toilet go down and believe it was my first year, 2013, um, get pushed over no hands bridge down into the Canyon. <laughs> oh no. After the race. Is it still After the race? <laughs> and the state, the state called me state park said, uh, Hey, one of your toilets is down, Craig, you need to, uh, you need to get this out. And I said, well, what do I do? Oh, call the toilet company. They, they know what to do. So I called the toilet company and, and they said, we don't know how to do that. Ask the state to help. Like, we have a toilet upside down going close to the American river and nobody knows how to solve this. So I went, I went down with my friend who had run the race, uh, my climbing partner now, and we, we rigged it up and um, we used to come along and, and pulled, hoisted it up. <laughs> and then when we stood it up next to the others, it, even though it was a hundred and something degrees, you'd think it'd be all dry. His hand got wet. Oh, yeah. Mine didn't. I picked the right side. <laughs> this is, this falls under other duties as assigned, right? <laughs> and I, and I took pictures of it and documented it. <laughs> I think you need yeah. to, to revive, the, revive the blog with, with, uh, with the story of, of how you guys extracted the portalette. Maybe I should. Yeah. <laughs> Especially since you have pictures. Uh, let's see. The, the other thing, again, as a race director that I thought was really fascinating is that at least in 2013, you had 21 certificates of insurance 
is that still 21 or is it higher or lower? Yeah, it's probably about the same. It may about actually maybe a little bit lower because yeah, it's probably a little bit lower now because the, um, the high country near Hodgkin's cabin, right before mm-hmm. Lion Ridge mm-hmm. uh, used to be private, privately owned by timber companies. And my first few years, it was three different timber companies for like two miles of, of trail. Like one from Atlanta, I think, or one. They were from Atlanta, Atlanta. Yeah. yeah. From yeah. yeah, yeah. How do you remember that? How do you know that? I do my research, Craig. Oh man, <laughs> uh, yeah, they were from Atlanta, and that land got purchased. It was Section Twenty Nine yeah. because it's the township and range that's in, um, and that is now in public land. Forest Service manages that, so those three I don't have to issue, but so it's probably around eighteen. And that's for the different sections of the trail that the yeah. trail where the land or where the trail bisects the different sections of yeah of the land. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, how many and, do you do in your races? How many certificates? Usually just one or two. It's 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 you know road races are a little different animal, at least here. A couple of races that we put on. Um, there's an island, Jekyll Island, which is just south of us. Here, is 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 state owned or part of the state, and so. You know, usually it's just working with the state entity and taking care of whatever their insurance requirements are. If it's with the city, usually they only require one. Sometimes we'll have to add, you know, an organization or, you know, individuals just based on what the requirement is for the, for the, um, for the municipality or the organization that we're, that we're working with. So, so thankfully it's not 21. And the language on those is so specific. Oh my god! You don't have it exact. Then the the lawyers get back to you like you need to change this. It, yeah. It's got an X instead of a Y. Like, really, it's that important? Um, well, yeah, you know, they're we're, the butt. We're it, it seems like it'd be an easy thing to do, but it's it's a really it, 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 every agency has their own requirements too. On, on oh language. yeah, I mean, because you're dealing with. How many, yeah, how many agencies are you dealing with? Forest Service being one. The two, two primary agencies are Forest Service and the state parks. Th- okay. those, are the, those are the big agencies. Um, Squaw Valley or Olympic Valley. Yeah. At the start and Placer High School at the finish. And then the county, Placer County for all the roads in the middle. Gotcha. Michigan Bluff to Forest Hill. That's all county gotcha. road. Um, and then Auburn Lake Trails, Forest sure. Hill School, and all, sure. the, all the different aid station locations. Their own private land, but primarily two big agencies. Got it. Got it. Um, you guys are, you went from 13 board members to 15 now, correct? That's correct. Yeah. 15 board members. Okay. So that's an increase. You had 18 performance rules then, and I think you're still at 18, right? No, we just rewrote those. This will be the first year we, uh, well, actually, it would have been last year, but uh, yeah, we, we rewrote them. Okay. So the way they evolved is, you know, something would happen. Jim King would, would have <laughs> 150 people throughout the course, giving him aid in place, right? So then we'd have to implement a rule, a Jim King rule, that, you know, you can't give aid in between aid stations. So all these, all these rules were generally added as a result of some incident, something sure. that happened. And you could if you read them from one to 18 they're written by different people and some are and you know, like part of this belongs in this other rule so we finally took a fresh look and we rewrote the rules to uh, so clean them up updated cleaned them up made them modern as modern as we could sure 
there's still no poles and no no traction device type type of rules in there but uh we're down to 13. Uh, okay oh more efficient and and then you said you had one forklift that you were trying to sell you did you mentioned you didn't need it in your warehouse i'm guessing you sold it <laughs> yes we did <laughs> yes oh i hated that thing <laughs> and then and then just want to kind of round out the the um the numbers here at the time, you guys had a Western States Determination Scholarship that you guys handed out to uh, high school students. Do I have that correct? Yeah, we do. We do determination uh, award scholarships to Placer okay. High School students who and exhibit the most determination. Not necessarily the, the best or the fastest athlete, sure. but it, it seems more fitting uh, to a Western States type of type of effort, right? Right, right. You don't really care if you finish at the at the top of your right. sport. Um, yeah, we're doing, I believe we're doing four of those this year. And is the value still seven fifty, or has that gone up? I think we're doing more certificates and I think they're, I think they're, I can't remember what we agreed to. It's probably, a, <laughs> it's probably about the same, but it's, you're more, giving out more. We're giving out more of them. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. And, um, let's see, I know we're, we're, we're at an hour. Are you good? You still good? Yeah, I'm good. A few more questions. And then, and then uh, I know you're a busy man. Now, the other thing that I thought was really fascinating um, in the last, I don't know, five years or so, Barclays Marathon has really kind of, people are more aware of it because of the documentary and um, a lot of other things. And you, you did a trip out to Tennessee to visit Lazarus Lakes. And he had some suggestions about how to improve, (laughs) or maybe not improve, but things you could add to Western states (laughs) that would make it, you know, a little more interesting. <laughs> no, no, no. Becca, he, he definitely thought these were improvements to us. Absolutely. That you had the right term. Okay. Okay. One of which, which, which I think, you know, 200 milers are, are becoming more uh, popular. <laughs> he suggested Olympic Valley to Auburn is lap one. And then the return trip is lap two. I don't know. I think he might be onto something. What do you think? Well, Dan Barger did it. Oh, he did. Summer. Yep. Okay. Took him a couple of tries, but he got it done. He did it the other way. So he ran. He started in, in Auburn. He started in Auburn, went okay. up and then came downhill. Uh, it was, it was pretty incredible. I think it was 58 hours. He did it. It was, it was pretty awesome. It's is- a challenging, it's a challenging thing to do for a couple of reasons. One that there's, there's a really long dry section yeah. out of the wilderness all the way to Duncan Creek, um, Duncan Canyon. That's a long dry section. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the river crossing twice. You, you, there's, there's daily fluctuations, daily releases for recreational and power generation, mm-hmm. rafting and, and power generation. So you gotta, you gotta deal with, okay, am I going to have 1200 CFS or am I going to have <laughs> 250 CFS? So to do your homework on that and, and yeah. dan did it he, the first time he did it i first time he tried it my wife and i uh went up to lion ridge and and we weren't crewing for him we we just heard where he was and we saw his tracker and we were in the area so we uh we saw him we got there like 10 minutes before he he shows up and he ends up getting so sleep deprived yet he had a hard time with the sleep deprivation that he didn't make it much past um i don't think he made it to duncan canyon aid station 
somewhere between Red Star and Dunk Canyon. And then he tried it again and he, he knew what to expect. And um, it, it was awesome. Will this happen? No. <laughs> no, I know. No, it won't because of the grant of the wilderness. It's just right. not going to happen. There's no, no way. I can't get any extra spots. Right. To go right. one direction. There's no way. Hey, can we go backwards too and do it again? <laughs> it's just not, 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 not a real solution. And then he also suggested, what was the other one? Oh, I think that was the only one I wrote. Well, he had right. briars. He wanted us to oh, get briar right. clippings and, and plant those. In the high country, right? <laughs> yes. Like, great idea. Actually, in in the North Fork, we do a lot of bushwhacking. The North Fork mm -hmm. of the American River, where our new course is going to go, we do a lot of bushwhacking through Barkley-type terrain. Sure. We, have, we have blackberry. We don't have briar, but we have blackberries and, and white thorn. Sure. Vegetation that's specific to, to the high country. That makes blood. Yeah. 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 It makes a lot of blood. Yeah. But not not his kind of blood. Right. Not, not, oh. Those are brutal. Now you did no, no, you haven't done Barclays, right? You just no, I haven't. Um, because you're a smart man. <laughs> no, I, I. Well, now it's just getting. There's no way I could even. I, I couldn't realistically do yeah, 100 yeah. miles, um, and I'd probably do one lap. Maybe maybe I could get out <laughs> on the second one. Um, but yeah, I'm really interested in it. And I thought the the idea, you know, Laz is just genius in in terms of designing courses and oh i know this backyard stuff my my goodness who would have thought that that would be the exact perfect test for for going as long as you can i mean that's right. just ah, it's just spectacular just run across tennessee super fun <laughs> uh, and the barkley my goodness what a, what a yeah he's just so good he's so smart. yeah he's he's definitely cut from a different cloth that's for yeah. sure yeah <laughs> um you're also a climber. I am. You climb. So my question, have you seen, did you see Free Solo, Alex, the documentary? Where I didn't Alex, watch it today. But you've seen it. I haven't seen it today. <laughs> I, I watched it yesterday. Oh, you did? Oh, I've probably watched it a dozen times, maybe, maybe more. One of, the, one, of the, one of the, why I bring this up, you're a climber, but there's also this, this idea of mastery that I took away from that documentary where, you know, he obviously makes it look effortless, right? You look at him achieve that. I mean, my hands are starting to sweat now, just thinking. Mine are too right now. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yes. And, and, and I had read an article, I forgot who wrote it. I think it might've been in the New York times where the, where the author of the article said, you know, there's this, I forgot how I'm paraphrasing, but the idea that, you know, he did this, he committed himself to it. He put, year you know year out year in year out year in you know where he he committed to to this project and then it comes off in this you know incredible achievement and he mastered it right so you've had some i'm gonna i'm gonna try to tie western states and climbing two things that you know very well and ask you about how you feel do you feel you've achieved a level of mastery with what with with uh with with the event and um yeah with western states okay my my climbing partner is just he's gonna shake his head when <laughs> he hears that you compared me to alex um i said I, I, I said the, huge mas alex. the mastery <laughs> <laughs> i know but i heard it and i'm gonna tell him what i what i want what i wanted to hear so <laughs> 
Um, wow. No, Alex is Alex is next level. There's have uh, you met him? Have you have you? Yeah, you yeah. I have. Uh, he signed my book and he wrote in. Oh, it, nice. Um, he wrote in it. Climbing is hard. I mean, cl- climbing is fun. Running is hard. <laughs> and you know, Lord Balls, climbing is climbing is fun. <laughs> running is hard. Um, we haven't climbed together. I, I hope someday it'll, it'll happen. He's, that would he's, be fantastic. He's on the same board as one of our our board members. He's okay. On, a climbing gym board okay. for profit board. Um, and I, I hope, I hope it happens someday. Oh, I hope so too. <laughs> I've seen him climbing here at our local quarry once, our local climb, climbing area. Um, and I gave him some Western state swag, but it hasn't oh, happened nice. yet. I hope, I hope it does. <laughs> Am I anywhere near that? Oh my goodness. Um, you know, I, I, I often look at, the way I manage, the way I racetrack, the way I manage. And I, I don't think I'm a very organized person. My predecessor had binders and everything was just, you know, blah, 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 blah. Or some, some areas of, of the race, they use um, Asana, the project management software. And I am just not that way at all. I am just a, I am just a disorganized, <laughs> just... I, I could show you the picture. I could turn my camera on. You want to see my living room? It's just a mess. And I, I keep so much in my head and I, and I, and, and, and so much, so much of my job, I think is the relationships with people and, and, um, you know, not, not forgetting about the individual uh, achievements and accomplishments and, and roles that people play mm-hmm. and and making sure they get enough of my time and 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 I give my time and I really enjoy it, this part of it I, I wouldn't I'd still be in computer science if I didn't if I didn't <laughs> um but no way am I in no way could you no no way could I consider myself a master at this I just <laughs> I just I'm just going a lot on instinct and, and, you know, I've studied servant leadership and, and different leadership styles. And, and I, and I believe in that. And I, I think I, I try to aspire to, 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 to the servant leadership mm-hmm. model. Mm-hmm. Um, go ahead. You were going to say something you were going to ask. I didn't, no, no, no. Oh. So, um, yeah, I'm not. Well, let me ask you, let me ask you that. I wouldn't say I'm a master. No, <laughs> but the idea that, you take what you've learned from one year and you take the good and you apply it to the future. It's the next year and you learn from what didn't work and you go, let's not do that again. (laughs) I never make the same mistake twice. That that, that part, I, that part I have done. I'm not going to make the same mistake twice. No way. Uh, uh -uh. (laughs) So, so I, I, so, so my, so the question about mastery is that there's mastery in that. I think if you are self-reflective and self-critical of your behavior as a leader, as a runner, as a, you know, brother, husband, you know, whatever the case may be so that you can advance. I, I personally feel like there's some mastery in that is that you're mastering a skill or your yourself in, in a sense. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah, it's, um, <laughs> I mean, what am I going to say? Yeah, I'm the best ever. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just wondering. I'm, I'm, I guess I'm wondering 
Do you, let me ask it this way. Is, is the challenge still there for you as the race director? Obviously, the pandemic has challenged you in ways that you couldn't have anticipated a year ago, maybe, or two years ago. Um, and so is the challenge there that you feel like, you know, I, I, I want to get after that challenge. I want to master it in the sense that you want to you want to do good by it. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I definitely want to get better. Uh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and I want to master it, but I don't know if I'll ever, if I'll ever be there and this job continues to change. Um, and that's fun about it too. The, the challenges that we have right now, we're, we're working on, um, th this will be uh, news here. Breaking <laughs> we're working news, on, right. on doing a, 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 land, a land acknowledgement, um, the indigenous peoples uh, around here indigenous people um we're trying to connect with them and, and and acknowledge that they were here before we were sure and part of this new course goes by these petroglyphs that are 1500 years old mm. um and i posted i think it was last summer i did it um i posted some pictures of this and it overlooks the royal gorge the north mm -hmm. fork of the american river and it wasn't a, it's not a ground. It wasn't a, 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 a camp where they, where they moved to in the summertime and then left. It was just some kind of spiritual location. And you could see Snow Mountain across the gorge and you could see one of the waterfalls. There's many waterfalls down in the Royal Gorge. And everybody on that trip, there were probably six of us, I think they did it. We were all just mesmerized and everybody posted on Instagram and Facebook. And, and that never happens. We go out all the time and, you know, one personal post. It was so absolutely moving to realize that there were, there were people in this spot 1500 plus years ago. Mm -hmm. All of our focus has been on, oh, white man came and we discovered gold and you know, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. It's all been about the, the 175 year history. Sure. Um, and it was really humbling to, to see that, yeah, there's evidence of, of people having been here a long time ago. So we're, we're going to hopefully have a land, a land acknowledgement here in the, in the, before the race coming up. I'm pretty, pretty and excited. What, and and which, which indigenous groups is? The Nisanan. Nisanan is the primary group here. Um, there was some Washoe up um, on the east side of the mountains. But um, yeah, even the, I don't know if you saw the Forlorn Hope expedition mm -hmm. that um, my friend Bob Crowley and Tim Tweetmar, one of our board members did in, in December, they recreated the, the Forlorn Hope subset of the Donner Party that hiked on snowshoes from Donner Lake over to Johnson's Ranch, which is just west of here. Um, and it was primarily this celebration and, and I liked it in that these people did some, they, they exhibited some incredible resilience and, and endurance and um, just amazing, but it was all about just the white people, what, what we did, right. We sure. celebrated the white people and, and they had two native American guides who they ended up killing for food and they had them in their backpacks as jerky when they got towards the end and they found some, other 
Indians, other Native Americans who helped them the last few miles, right? It was, it was all this celebration of, of white people, but juxtaposed with, wow, these Native Americans actually helped them and they killed them for food. And that the juxtaposition of those two was just, it, that again was a moving experience for me in, in December. And um, yeah, so we're, we're, we're looking at doing. And you said you're hoping to do that uh, sometime before. Yeah. Western yeah, 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 yeah. And hopefully we'll have someone from Nisanon uh, talk. So you, so you guys have been in communications with them and working with them and collaborating with them. We're working with a, with a, another organization that oh, is connecting us with them. So we're not doing it directly. It's, it's pretty hard to do this. And, and this, I think if it, if it all works out, this should be, um, this should be an, a model for other races and, and motivation for other races to, to, to do the same kind of thing Sure. Um, for their races and, and yeah. No, kind that's of going off track. But, no, no, no. That's, it was that's, pretty moving. It's it's pretty. Uh, it's pretty pretty. You know, I, as you as as you well know, I mean, not only was the pandemic, you know, a big part of our lives this year, it was also, you know, very 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 much needed and difficult conversations around race, and how people perceive race and how they experience it, and so to hear that, uh, you know, Western states is you know being um what's the word you know you're being mindful about that is 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 great and like like you said i hope other organizations will follow suit and 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 do the same if 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 that's you know if that's an opportunity that they have yeah yeah it it, it definitely the george floyd uh incident was yeah pretty hard to watch the trial now i i can't i can't watch it yeah brutal um, well, yeah. to, 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 just to pivot a little bit and then, um, I'll, I'll let you, I'll let you go. Cause you've been very gracious with your, with your time. Uh, one of the other hallmark events that you guys are holding or that usually hold are the training camps. Are those going to happen this year? Yeah, it's looking really good. Oh, good. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, we may have to do staggered wave starts. Um, but we don't have volunteers in the, in the tune of 1500 for the training runs. We don't have spectators. We don't have crews. So it's a lot easier race to put on or, or a lot easier events to put on. Um, but yeah, it's looking like all three days will be normal capacity. Uh, and, and that's Memorial day weekend, right? Yeah. Memorial day weekend. Yeah. And that's going to be so fun. It's going to be to, to celebrate. It's a, it's a great way to see the course for people who can't get in the race. It's, it's, um, it's fun. And, you don't have the stress of, of puking your guts out at mile 60 <laughs> or 80 or did you puke when you ran in 2016? Uh, did no, you? I did not. Did? Oh, okay. <laughs> Many people do. <laughs> I did not. My, my issue was blisters. Ah, yeah. I can relate to that. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll take it any day. <laughs> yeah. But so, so speaking of which, so I think, as I mentioned to you in my email to you, you know, this is, we're coming up to the fifth year anniversary of my run 2016. And one of the, so, uh, so, so when I came into the aid station at Forest Hill, uh, I went to the medical tent because I, I just knew there were some issues with my feet and it turned out that I had blood blisters, blisters underneath my toe. I mean, it just, it was just ridiculous. So I sat down in the medical tent which was my first mistake was sitting down. And then the medical volunteer 
that helped me, I'm trying to track them down so that I can check in with them and interview them for the podcast. And so if there's any way you can help me facilitate who might've been the uh, uh, aid station captain um, at Forest Hill in 2016, I'll take the med- it from the medical there. captain. Absolutely. I know who it is. Yeah. They, yeah. They've been around a lot of years. So yeah. it's it was, there was, a, there was a man, an older man, and then she was from Minnesota, Northern Minnesota. I don't remember her name, but I saw her at the finish and I showed her that I kept my, the tape that she, that she, it was a, it was a work of art, the way she taped my feet to, to ensure that I made it to the finish line. And I showed her and she was like, I'm so proud of you because people usually don't keep their tape on their feet. (laughs) Was that Tanya Olson? Maybe, you know what? Maybe, I don't know. Olson would make sense if she's from Minnesota. Yeah. Her, yeah. Well, now she's in Florida. She's, she's a PT. But sometimes yeah, my- she works Michigan Bluff. But the, the medical captain is Dr. Curlin, Dr. K. He's been there a lot of years. I'll, I'll get you both of there. Oh, that would be great because I'd love to love to chat with him. And and then the, the the pacer that I picked up at Forest Hill, who is a complete stranger, and we we've, we've remained friends for the last five years. And so she, she's coming onto the podcast, and we're going to talk Good. all right westerns and stuff like that. So uh, let's see what just so. Craig, we can wrap up here again. I want to thank you very much for one, answering my email and agreeing to being on the podcast and talking all things Western States and, and, and your, you know, development as the race director and hearing about how you've traversed all this. Um, so I guess one of the last questions I have is, are you going to run for your 10th buckle next year? Uh, my climbing partner, who I'm going <laughs> to brag about you comparing me to Alex Honnold. <laughs> me I was as good as Alex Honnold today. Um, and don't, okay. That's how I, that's what I heard. Okay. <laughs> um, the, oh, what was the question again? Are you going to run, are you going to go for your 10th buckle? Oh yeah. So I told him, I told him yesterday that I'm not sure I have a 10th Western States in me and he couldn't believe it. He says, what, what's wrong with you, Craig? You're going to finish at nine. And right now I'm just so into climbing again. Okay. I, 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 I want to climb all the yeah. time. <laughs> I got big goals and um, been traveling a lot and I don't see it happening right now. And it's not going to happen as race director that, that this, the, the race is now in a different level than it was in sure. 2017. Sure. Um, that there's no way I can do it as a race director. So I have the 10th spot. You know, we offer an automatic spot for anybody going for their 10th. So I can use that in the future long after I'm not the race director. Um, so no, it's not going to happen. You asked me specifically if I was going to run it on my 10th. Well, I guess I'll, 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 I'll change the question and say, well, yeah, I mean, the initial question was, are you going to do it next year? Yeah. I, th- I read somewhere that you thought maybe 2022 yeah. might be yeah. that year. Yeah. Um, yeah. I like the symmetry of that. Yeah. Um, but no, that is an absolute no, that to answer that question specifically, no way is it happening next year. Um, and I was at, at answering more generally, am I ever going to do the 10th? Um, whew. man, right now it seems really hard. You know, I know I finished the 14 miler and, and there were, there were three guys who were in Western States this year. Um, one finished close to me and, um, they were all running back to the start another 14 miles and I, I was crippled. You know, I just want to go home and have, have a Pepsi and, 
and eat a sandwich and and they're running 14 miles back oh god how do you guys do this (laughs) but training trying to train while i'm this busy is it's just it's it puts me in a weird head space. Like I can't imagine going and doing the training required right now. So I, I was impressed that you did it. Um, was it two years ago? No, 2017, 20, 2017, right after you were in it. Yeah. 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 That's impressive. I mean, with everything that you have going on and then training for that kudos, it was, it was a dumb idea, a really <laughs> dumb idea, but I did it. I was proud. I did it. And I got to see every single aid station. Yeah. That was spectacular. Uh, the reception that I got at each age station was oh, that must've been fantastic. It was pretty fun. And, and running with, um, running with people, uh, you know, I ran with the 29 hour folks for yeah. a long time and I wasn't a 29 hour runner when I was running um, my prior eight, you know? Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's interesting. You know, when, when, when I found out I was th- that I had gotten in, you know, it took me about a month to, to kind of let that sink in that, you know, the lottery gods were in my favor. And then obviously the training and the training went well, and then you're there. And then, you know, prior to all that, I'm listening to everything that I can. I'm watching everything that I can about the race. I live at sea level. Like we have no Hills. We have nothing. We have bridges and that's about as all the elevation you're going to get. So you know, and then to be on that trail and to see just the majesty of it, and then to experience the people along the course and, you know, the, the trail magic and the can I mean, just everything. It was, it was a fantastic experience. And, you know, to, to, to know that, that to appreciate what you put into it, to make it happen every year, is is a testament to not only you and the board and all the volunteers and everything that goes into putting it together so it's if 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 anybody listening my two listeners if you ever want to get into western states i mean it's definitely uh, a highlight and you should definitely um definitely you know put your hat in the put your name into the hat so to kind of finish up the conversation craig what um What's like, what, what's one of your favorite memories? What's, what's, what, what's that one thing you keep going back to in terms of your experiences with Western? It was it the, when you were, I think you were 14 and you saw those oh, dirt baggers. Yeah, right? I was a little older than that. It was 77. So I was, no, maybe I was 14. Oh. Um, you know, I go back, I go back to that incident where I was camping inadvertently at the 82 or three mile mark of the course um, and seeing these runners come by in the middle of the night, asking for the aid station. And mm-hmm. we have no idea. Like, what are you guys doing? Like, I don't know where an aid station, I don't even know what an aid station is. Um, I go back to that when, when people like you ask me the question, I, I don't normally think of that. Um, I think about one of the best experiences was in 2005. And I wrote about this on my blog uh, was my friend, Ed Wilson, mm-hmm. who, um, was training with me and, and the rest of the group and Eugene for the 2005 race. Um, and he, he took a leave of absence from his job. He had two prior finishes and they were in the 28. I think they were right, right around you. They were under 29, but, but in the 28s. And he took a leave of absence from his job, trains really hard and just, just 
melts down on Cal Street. He decides to wear a pack that he'd never worn before and it had way more water than he needed. Like, we have aid stations there, Ed. What the hell are you doing? Um, so he struggles and he gets behind, he gets behind the the um, 24 hour cutoff or he gets right at it. And, and then my friend uh, and co-race director from Waldo, co-founder from uh. Waldo 100K, Kurt Ringstad, picks him up at the river crossing. And he's, Kurt's a very experienced pacer and, and, and hundred mile runner. And it is just, just, just a mess, right? He's just a mess. <laughs> and as they're, as they're cruising along, Kurt's doing the math and, and, um, and he tells him, Kurt tells Ed, hey, Ed, there's going to be crying at the finish, no matter what. <laughs> Whether it's good crying or bad crying is up to you. <laughs> and I finished, I finished 10th place that year. It was, I had a fantastic run, best, best run and my PR year. And we're waiting for Ed to finish and starting to go back up the course from the, from the track. This is 2005, so we didn't have the same kind of technology you know? sure, sure. Um, so we didn't know exactly when did it start at five or i don't even know if our watches were synced up like they are now and it wasn't looking good it wasn't looking good it's like ed you're not going to make it and suddenly i hear i hear kurt screaming at him and he comes around the track and uh and uh he makes it under 24 hours by well, a little more than a minute or something it was just nice. the most fantastic finish and i'm getting emotional right now talking about um that was probably the most i was so invested in him yeah um and to see him get it he ended up losing his job at the company that he (laughs) took a leave from he took a leave from he got a he started a new career in nursing he was an engineer and he ended up going into nursing which was a much better fit for him um but i go back to that that is just one of the absolute best memories that i that i have of western states and and then I, I, I would be I mean, it, crazy not to talk about Goonhild's finish. Oh, uh, I mean, my goodness sakes, that one. It's like I couldn't have scripted that better if I had scripted it. Katie Trent finished. She was the youngest finisher that year. Mm-hmm. She finished one, two, two places ahead of Goonhild. And then the poor guy that I can't even remember his name from Ohio who finished in between right, Katie right. and Goonhild. Goonhild, who was 70 or going to be 71 the next day, I think. Um, this guy finishes. I can't believe I – well, I can't believe that I don't remember his name. Uh, he was all excited because the crowd is just going nuts. You know, he's like, yeah, it's me. Like, no, it's no, not you. It's the 70-year-old woman behind you who's on the track. <laughs> oh, and the fact that Rob Carr had gone back. Paced him. Paced her, yeah. Oh my God. Oh, those are, those are really, really powerful memories. And, um, you know, I really love the golden hour. I, I love, mm-hmm. I, I, I love seeing Jim Walmsley. and I love seeing Claire Gallagher and I love seeing all the fast racing that don't, I, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't pretend not to love that, but I absolutely love the golden hour and, and the, the last, the last finishers that after the Goonhild year, I was feeling kind of cocky, like I have anything to do with how they finish at the end. But I was feeling like, yeah, this, of course, it was going to be like this, you know? 
<laughs> and then the next year or the year after we have some people who, who missed the cutoff and it's just, it's just super hard to see yeah. someone come in after 30 hours. And shut. Oh, but if we didn't have that 30 hours, it wouldn't be as meaningful, right? If we didn't have that absolute cutoff, it wouldn't be as meaningful for, for, for people like Goonhill to make it. Like if you, if you could finish whenever you wanted it, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be the same. It wouldn't, right? be, it wouldn't be the same. So I, I, I love seeing that last bit, but I only want to see it when it's good. I don't want to see it when it's bad. It's super hard. It's super hard to see someone finish after 30 hours. Oh, that's hard. Oh, it's hard. Not, not, yeah. uh, it's hard, but good hills and those kinds of finishes. Oh, and, and, and most of the 29 hour finishers, they're just, they're out there struggling <laughs> they're out there all night. Some are still wearing their long sleeves like it's already 90 degrees and they're still in their nighttime clothing right it's like, oh barely moving because they're blisters or whatever um the golden hour finishes are so I, so spectacular there, there was there was the 2016 there was a there was a an elderly man in his 70s i don't remember his name who came onto the track <sighs> I mean, he was over at the 30 hour limit, but he, when he got onto the track, we thought there might be a chance. And I don't remember his name. Wally Hesseltine. Was it, was it Wally? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think he fell on the track and I, you know, yeah. it was just, it was just going to be difficult. And, but man, I remember feeling like, even though I was hobbling around and kind of just excited over my finish, it was, there was this little energy brewing and we thought, oh man, this is going to be cool. And then it was like, oh. I know he missed. Oh, yeah. I know. And, and from the race director perspective, you know, they were, they were, they were assisting him in ways that were probably disqualifiable. Yeah. Right? And so I was going over there. I mean, I know that I know several of the pacers like, come on, you guys, you can't do this. You're going to disqualify him. Yeah. But then looking at the clock, like he's not going to make it. So yeah. Um, yeah, that one was heartbreaking. Yeah. Well, it was heartbreaking and he, it's now probably not realistic for him to, to get a finish. Yeah, yeah. Well, whether it's exhilarating or debilitating, um, I know that there's 369 people that are looking forward to the weekend of uh, June 26th, 27th, right? Yep, yep. And I, if there's anything that I do know, I know that there's going to be some stories coming out of that. And uh, I think we, we, everyone will agree when I say we appreciate the leadership you've brought to this event and look forward to what tensions you'll be dealing with, uh, you know, moving forward, whether they're at Western states or as you, as you pursue your career as a, as a, as a Alex Honnold. <laughs> uh, yeah. Thanks a lot. I, 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 as I, as we're in the really busy period, you know, I get, re, I get requests for a lot of interviews and, and podcasts. And, and when yours came in, I, I sent it to, sent it to a couple of the board members. And like, I really want to do this one, but I got to, I got to pick and choose. And you, you ran Western States in 2016 and, and like, there's no way I'm going to pass this one up. I have to do this. I'm going to do this interview. So I appreciate, I appreciate you inviting me on in, in conducting this interview. Well, I, I love hearing from, from past I, I appreciate you, you, you know, being generous with your time and stories and, you know, there's many more stories to come and I wish you the best with this year's event. And like many people, I'm going to be glued to Twitter and Facebook and all those things. I, I actually signed up to volunteer last year, but because of the pandemic, 
you know, it didn't work, obviously it didn't work out and timing wise, it won't work out this year, but I hope to get out there, you know, in the future to be one of your 1500 volunteers, yeah. because it's, it's a special, it's a special race. And I'm, I'm just fortunate that I was able to experience that, especially with my kids running on the track. I mean, you want to, I mean, don't get me started. Cause then I'll start, I'll get emotional. Yeah. I mean, that was just, yeah. it's just, it, it's, it was fantastic. So, uh, Craig, when you oh, come out next time, if you, if you want, if you want to ride with me and hang out with me all day, we check oh, out aid stations and, and man, that there, you have the invite as another race director. I think you'd appreciate um, that. So like, I, I may yeah. book my ticket now. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, come yeah. on, son. <laughs> I would love that. Oh my gosh. All right. Well, now I'm going to have to rethink my travel plans in June. <laughs> well, I do. I, again, uh, Craig, I really appreciate you taking the time and being generous with your stories and everything that you, that you have going on. I know you could have picked any other podcast, but I'm, I'm gladful. I'm glad, gladful. I can't even talk. I'm glad you picked ours. And, um, and just so you know, this, I'm going to finish up some of the other interviews that I told you about, and I'll be loading this up for June. So okay. if you, if you need something to listen to while you're on your, <laughs> on your climbs, you know, this, will, this, will, this is an option now. So again, Craig, thank you very much and uh, best of luck moving forward. And uh, I'll let you know when my flight lands in. Uh, okay. <laughs> in a few yeah, it doesn't have to be this year. We can do it in the future year. We All can right. do it in 2022 or 2023. Absolutely. I appreciate it. Thank you, sir. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye.